was uh, just over 13 years ago when I got or saw this. I figured it was not going to be many times in my life where I was able to hold a check that was written out for 1,993,453 and 11 cents. It was the church that the check that was made made out to church when uh, we sold our old property and moved out here. So I not only said this is not going to happen to me very often, I'm going to make a copy of the check so that I can hang it on my bulletin board and every once in a while look and go, at one point in my life, I held nearly two million dollars in my hand. Now, I haven't done that since. But it also happens to be roughly the same amount one of the servants in Jesus' story that we just heard in the gospel lesson held in his hands. A story that Jesus told his disciples in answer to a question his disciples had asked him at the end of chapter 24 in Matthew. His disciples asked him, tell us, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So Jesus begins to teach them and tell them about what it was going to be like and the things they could expect to see and experience when Jesus was getting close to returning. And so he talks about wars and rumors of wars, right? He talks about some of the things he wants them uh, to believe and to be aware of. And then he gets to this story where he wants to teach his disciples what he wants them to do until he comes back. And he does so by telling them a story, a story about a man who was going away, a wealthy man. A wealthy man who, as he's going away, gives his servants some money. It wasn't the same amount, but he gave to each of these three servants an amount of money that was that fit with their capabilities, that fit with the amount of money that they were going to be able to to manage. And so to one, he gives five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent. And his whole purpose in doing this, he wanted them to put his money to work. Was he going to return? Absolutely. Did the servants know when? No clue. They just knew that the master was going away. He had given them some money for them to use and to put to work in service of their master. And then he left. Jesus' whole purpose and point in telling his disciples this story was he wanted them to understand that while he was gone, he wanted them to take the gifts and the things that he had given to them, and put them to work. Whether it be their talents and abilities, the time he had graciously given to them, or in the case of the example that Jesus uses in this parable, the money and the blessings he had given to them. He wanted them all to be aware of, these are things that your Heavenly Father has given to you, now use them in his service. And so, The story continues, right? The master goes away. The master at some point comes back and we hear just what each of the three servants did, right? 
Two of the servants, as they knew their master, they knew what the master expected of them. They, they knew who their master was and the great trust he had, he had given them. In giving them this money, well, they put that money to work. Right? And it's rather impressive that the first servant who received five talents, the talent was 75 to 80 pounds of gold. I looked yesterday at yesterday's price of gold that would have been about $9 million. The two talents? Four-ish. Right? So it wasn't small amounts of money. It wasn't as though these, these servants just were given a couple hundred bucks and now the master is saying, well, Take care of this for me. He was giving them of his wealth and saying, Here, I am richly blessing you. Now take what I am going to give you and use it in service, in my service, for things that will, 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 will benefit me. Right? And those two servants, as they, they hear the great things that their servant had, the, the great amount of money that that servant, or excuse me, their master had given to them, the servants put it to work. Right? It's as if they can't wait to put that money to work that their servant had blessed them with. So that when their master returns, the one is able to say, I've, you gave me five and here, here is five more. And the two says, you gave me two, master, and, and, and here's another two back. We saw that the gift you, you entrusted to our care, and we used it. And we're able to offer you back offer you back two, five talents. The third servant, however, didn't quite do as well as the first two, huh? Not that he did the same thing as the other servant. In fact, as we look at what that third servant did, we see that his heart wasn't moved by his master at all. In fact, that third servant and his actions give us an, an impression of well, he had a total disregard for his master. All he did was he took that, that, that talent that he had given to him, dug a hole, threw it in the hole, covered it up, and waited for his master to return. In other words, didn't use the $2 million his master had given him. Instead, just kind of pushed it aside and said, I'm going to do what I want. And when my master returns, I'll at least be able to just give him back the $2 million he gave didn't use what he had given him. Was it foolish? Yeah. Stupid? Yeah. Unloving and rebellious towards his master? Yep. In fact, what does the, when the master returns, what does he call it? Wicked. Sinful. I gave you talents. I gave you this thing that I wanted you to use in my place for me. And you didn't. Instead, you disobeyed what I asked you to do. You rebelled against me. And now what was given you is going to be taken away from you and given to somebody else. The whole point of Jesus' story, right? was to teach his disciples, while you are waiting for me to return, here is what I want you to do, right? 
And he tells them a story about how he, as the master, is richly blessing his disciples. That's still you and me. Right? You, you think of how richly he blesses us with our time, with abilities and talents, and with wealth. And he says, what I want you to do is now use that in service of your master. And that's hard, isn't it? It's hard because we look at how richly God has blessed us. And I have a sinful nature that wants to hold on to that and claim it as my own or wants me to, to bury it is in the sense of not using it for my master's wishes and instead use it for my own personal self-advancement, for my own needs or, or wants, to use it on me instead of using the blessings God has given me in the way that my master has asked me in service to him. There are certainly aspects of our life where our master could look at how we've used the talents and abilities and the wealth he has given to us and call it wicked. But we know our master, don't we? It's not as though that, that master didn't know what it was like to give. In fact, our master is the one who took us from being slaves and made us his servants by buying us back from sin. Right? Our, our master gave up all the wealth, all the, the power and authority in heaven and stepped down from his throne in order to become one of us. Our master gave up the wealth of heaven so that he could become poor like you and me. Also that he could make you wealthy. By paying for your sins. By assuring you that because that payment for sin was made, not only are you forgiven, but you're perfect and holy in God's sight. He gives you the, the wealth of heaven as he now assures you because your sin is forgiven, you're not only my child, but you have eternal life. Luther said, where there is forgiveness, of sin, there is eternal life. It's yours because if Christ has forgiven your sins, now you are perfect and righteous and therefore God has given you eternal life. And then you look and say, if that were all, that would be enough, but he doesn't. While you wait for your Savior's return as his servants, he blesses you. Perhaps he hasn't blessed us quite the same way he talks about in his, his story, huh? Perhaps you, you don't have $9 million sitting at your disposal, or for that matter, $2 million. But he gives you time. He gives you talents and abilities to use. And he's given you wealth, possessions, money, all of which he wants you to use in service to him for his glory. It gives us an opportunity, doesn't it? To sit and reflect on how we use the blessings God has given to us. It doesn't mean we can't have nice things. It doesn't mean we, you know, all have to get a nine-inch black-and-white tube TV because, well, that's what God wants. He doesn't want us all to drive, you know, 1980 Toyota Camrys. 
He blesses us with nice things. But it gives us the, the opportunity to reflect on how we are using the blessings God gives us. Because as his servants, he calls us to use them for his glory and in his honor. And we can because we know the master and how he feels about us and how richly he's blessed us. And knowing our master's love for us and the trust that he has for us as he puts in our hands all these multitude of blessings motivates us and moves us now to use those blessings as he calls us. Amen. And the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard and will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our Savior Lutheran Church is located on the south side of Birmingham off Highway 280. We are on Dunnett Valley Road, about three-quarters of a mile east of Treetop Family Adventure and Sports Blast. Our Sunday services begin at 1015 with Sunday School and Bible Class at 9 o'clock. We welcome visitors and hope to see you soon. For more information, please visit our website at OurSaviorBirmingham.com. Click on Sermons at the top of the page for a copy of today's service folder. You can also find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.